faithful and godly people at Central Vineyard. Last week, my two daughters, aged six and three, asked if they could have ice cream for breakfast. I quickly said no and proceeded to do that mum thing of over-explaining the importance of having healthy food for breakfast. Ever hopeful that even just a small piece of what I said would enter their minds and transformation would take place. After some more pestering, both girls finally relented and they begrudgingly went about eating healthier breakfast food. Next minute, my phone rang, so I left the room to take the call. I was gone for about 10, 15 minutes. When I returned, I found both girls hovering over the now empty ice cream container with ice cream all over their hands and their mouths. Who needs spoons when you have hands? They were wearing awkward grins, wondering if I would laugh or growl. Despite being told no to the ice cream, they let their desires get the better of them, and they indulged themselves accordingly. Today, I write about self-control. Self-control. I already feel like I can hear the internal sighs and groans from some of you. If you're like me, sometimes when I hear the term self-control, it can make me react. Something inside me stirs. An unrest starts to creep up in me because I know there are areas in my life where self-control is not as evident as I would like. I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul listed this last in the list of spiritual fruits. Just like in the movies, where the main villain is finally defeated at the end in an epic struggle and battle, I wonder if Paul listed self-control last because he knew it would be the hardest. For many of us, self-control tends to be one of the hardest fruits to exhibit. It's a fruit that requires us not to do what we may want to, While it may be the hardest, I'd suggest it's an essential fruit to nurture in order for us to exhibit the other fruits of the Spirit. Think about it. 
How can we be faithful to our spouses without self-control? How can we be kind and gentle to others, to those who don't seem deserving, without self-control? How can we be people of peace during this time, when there is so much conflict around us, without self-control? The Bible has a lot to say about self-control. Over and over again in Scripture, there are stories of people like Esau, who sold his birthright because he was hungry. There was David with Bathsheba, or Judas's relationship with money, where their poor decisions, their moments of weakness and lack of self-control led to disastrous consequences for their lives. Proverbs 16.32 says, It is better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Conquering a city during those times was the hardest military achievement imaginable. Yet here's Solomon, the wisest guy around, saying that controlling yourself is more impressive, more beneficial for us. Before I go any further, we need to address and be aware of what biblical self-control is and what it is not. There are many resources, many books and podcasts written about self-control. Many give us information on how to form better habits, perhaps to give us a better body, to become healthier, to accumulate more money, to master our career and our emotions. And while the information may have some benefit, the self-control they discuss tends to be self-centered, where the goal is to create a better version of yourself, for yourself. And the problem with self-centered self-control is that eventually it leaves us feeling unsatisfied and unfulfilled. The monk Thomas Merton said, people may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. In response to this in his book, Your Future Self Will Thank You, Drew Dick said, before we start scaling the wall, we have to find the right wall. And the right wall is not ourselves. Enough people have leaned their ladder against that flimsy facade, scaled to the top, and came crashing down hard. As Christians, we have a different definition, a different purpose for self-control. Yes, it involves self-regulating and sacrifice and delaying gratification. But it isn't to improve ourselves. It is to glorify God in our lives and to serve others. John Tyson said this about self-control. Self-control is redirecting the passions in our heart towards Jesus and his kingdom for the sake of others to find life. Self-control is ultimately how we deal with our desires. Ronald Rollheiser said this, There is within us a fundamental disease, an unquenchable fire that renders us incapable in this life of ever coming to full peace. This desire lies at the centre of our lives, in the marrow of our bones, and in the deep recesses of the soul. Spirituality is ultimately about what we do with that desire. We live in a world 
where we don't know what to do with our desires. In our society today, control of our desires can be viewed as unnecessary, repressive and old-fashioned. Self doesn't need to be controlled as much as it needs to be liberated and expressed. And we should pursue freedom by indulging in what we believe is good for us, to pursue what is in our heart and run towards our passions and what gives us the most happiness at the time. A common rhetoric spoken is, it's my life. I get to determine what is good, what is right and what matters for me. Scripture warns us about this in Proverbs 25, 28, where it says a man without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. In the ancient world, people built massive walls around cities to protect them against hostile forces. This proverb points out that without self-control, we render ourselves vulnerable to the enemy. Living a life for ourselves based solely on our own enjoyment, pleasure and what we deem to be good for our lives may at the time feel great, but eventually, instead of being in control of our desires, we become enslaved to them. For me, I have a strong desire to be known and accepted amongst others. And while this is a common human desire, without control over it, I can find myself assigning too much value in how much or how little recognition or validation I receive from others. Rather than finding my acceptance and value in who I am in God, I can look to others, which is futile. Even in writing this talk, I need to ensure that I am not writing to try to impress or try to get people to accept me. Rather, I need to train myself by placing my desires in the rightful place. Now the flip side of lacking self-control is legalism. This is where our response to experiencing goodness, passion and pleasure is one of fear and therefore control. This is where we try to repress and push down our desires. The problem is legalism shows little grace and love towards others and boils faith down to a list of do's and don'ts for ourselves and others. This is religion and Jesus was clear about how he felt about this when he addressed the Pharisees who epitomised religion and legalism. The issue Jesus had with the Pharisees wasn't that they believed in the law, so did Jesus. It was the way that they had practiced and upheld it. They relied on external rules, practices and behavior modification through guilt and shame to believe that this would change people's hearts. Their teaching and behavior to others caused Jesus to say, woe to you Pharisees. And he warned his followers in Matthew 23, so practice and obey whatever they tell you but don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. The Pharisees' teaching on self-control became a form of oppression and division amongst the people of God. 
instead of a form of life and good news. Self-control is an essential fruit that needs to be nurtured and grown, not through religion and legalism, but through the way of formation. How do we develop self-control? Are we to be led by the Spirit? Or should we be working on it ourselves? I'll suggest the answer is yes and yes. Self-control isn't self-reliance. And at the same time, it isn't passivity. Letting God's Spirit take over. Jesus take the wheel as the song goes. Self-control is developed through a combination of our own efforts and training and God's Spirit living within us, guiding us. We cannot do this alone, nor do we have to try. Like all fruits of the Spirit, self-control is not a virtue on its own. It's a manifestation of love. Our connection, our relationship and our lived out experience with the love of God in our life is the foundation. Self-control is about listening and obeying. It's not self-determined. It is surrendering our will to what God has taught us in his word and in our conscience. And while this sounds hard, sounds like teeth gritting work, we discover self-control is like a muscle that grows as we use it and it gets stronger the more we use it. In a beautiful twist of irony, surrendering to God leads to our freedom. We find out that biblical self-control isn't commanded by a God who is wagging his finger at us in order to restrain and to confine us, but it comes from a loving Father who ultimately wants and promises us freedom and flourishing. So some pastoral encouragement for you today comes to you in three parts. The first is this, that no matter who you are, what you've gone through, or how old you are, your self-control can improve. If you're discouraged, remember younger disciple Peter, who struggled with impulse and self-control. He had the right convictions, but he couldn't follow through. For example, he seems to talk before he thinks. He quickly resorts to violence and chops off the ear of the servant, and he denies Jesus after saying he won't three times. However, 20 years later, he is the pillar of the church. He is the rock that Jesus saw in him. Don't be ambitious and try to start with everything you would like to work on. Start with one thing to focus on first. Walk humbly in knowing the reality of the fruit of the Spirit is just like the fruit forming on a tree. It's a gradual process. It takes time. The second is create environments that don't deplete your willpower. There is great wisdom when Jesus said, run away from childish indulgences, refuse to get into inane discussions. 2 Timothy 2.22 The advice here is to avoid situations when you can, where you need to resist temptations and exercise willpower. Interestingly, Multiple research papers show us that all of us, even the seemingly strong and high-capacity people, only have a limited amount of willpower. 
And the more we exercise it, and when we're tired, when we're hungry, bored, and lonely, the weaker it becomes. No wonder so many of us are giving in to our temptations during lockdown. The third is, when we fail, not if, we need to remind ourselves that we fall into grace and forgiveness of God. Often when we fail, we can beat ourselves up and label ourselves this and that. However, these labels are not what God would call us. When we change our ways and behavior out of guilt and shame, this is only effective for a temporary time. The Bible, as well as evidence-based research, teaches us that shame is a horrible foundation to stand on to enable change in our lives. We are to remind ourselves that God provides a fresh start for us every day. He encourages us to return home to a Father who comes running to us with open arms. Self-control is love and training. What training is needed in your life today? Is it training your tongue to speak well of others you disagree with? Or to talk less about yourself? Is it training your spending habits, ensuring that you spend less on yourself so you have enough margin to be generous to others? Is it training your work habits so you have time and energy to be present to those around you? God invites us to participate in his kingdom by following Jesus' example of sacrificing himself for the sake of others. My prayer is that we would be reminded this week that we can be like Peter. As Drew Dick wrote, Peter was an ordinary person with a spotty track record of faithfulness. But as he walked with Jesus, he eventually became the person Jesus knew he could be. He grew. And as we walk with Jesus, we will grow too. Ava Hanoi, Alicia. So I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be we will, we will. Shaking. Mm-hmm. We will not be shaken.